Good morning, everyone. Well, this is a real treat for me because uh, I've been sitting there for the last six weeks and now I'm uh, able to uh, come up here and uh, maybe encourage us a little bit in our faith and our journey. Also, I'm a little bit tall, so I've adjusted this now, Jesse, and it's going to annoy the next person who needs to adjust it back. <laughs> so my family and I, we moved from uh, Port Stephens, and now we're here in Musselbrook, and uh, last night we were at the Musselbrook show. I tell you what, you guys do things real different out here. Uh, with barrel racing and uh, at one point there was, there, was a, there was a buffalo up on a semi-trailer, a, bu- a bison. Does anyone know about this? It's uh, rod- rodeo folks. I'm just saying I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. And it's been uh, a lot of fun. My wife and I and the family have enjoyed being here um, at our parish and uh, making our home here with you all. So thanks for uh, making it a joy. When we look at the life of Jesus, he was really consistent. Consistent for a long period of time. And the words that he said matched his actions. He actually did what he invited other people to do. He spoke aloud about loving people with kindness and grace and mercy. And then he went around doing exactly that, loving people and caring for them with his actions and his words. He spoke about forgiveness and then literally said, your sins are forgiven. He invited us to pray personally and then we watched as, or we read about how the disciples watched as he went out into the wilderness to go and pray privately instead of on the street corner like the Pharisees. And he talked a lot about feasting and drinking in the kingdom of God. And of course, Jesus was famous for feasting for eating and drinking. So much so that people actually uh, accused him of uh, doing it too much, which is interesting. Did you know that? In uh, Luke 5.33, they said, Jesus, how come your disciples eat and drink so much? Meaning, how come you eat and drink so much? Which I find interesting. Jesus wasn't the norm, uh, but he always put, uh, if you excuse me for being crass, his money where his mouth is. He was always actually doing what he invited people to do. You know, I want to dive in on this idea of Jesus feasting, eating and drinking, because that's something that as people we find really relatable. Here we are in 2022, and I don't know about you all, but I love a good feast. I love food laid out on the table, a little bit of extra work has gone into the roast, and oh, I'm, I'm a sucker for sweet potatoes, I tell you. Just, you know, often there's like a little bit of sweet potatoes and a lot of potato. And I really would like to change that. I'd like to like, you know, change our culture because I could just do with a whole mountain of sweet potatoes and maybe just a couple of potatoes on the side. Is anyone with me? Yeah. You all sweet potato fans? Thank you. All right. Just want to make sure that I'm not crazy. Look, Jesus, wherever he was, he was either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. It was a value for Jesus. I wonder why that was. I wonder what it was about feasting that Jesus decided was so important that he would be doing it all the time. He would have dinner with people in their homes. He would meet with them in their place. 
at their table. And they put on a meal and they'd be eating and drinking till all hours of the night, having a good old time talking about life. And of course, Jesus would teach them along the way this beautiful message of the kingdom of God that was so radical and is still radical today. In fact, he would do it with people that were a little strange, a little odd. He'd meet a tax collector, one of the most hated uh, jobs of the day. I, I've, I've often thought about this. What's the equivalent of a tax collector in 2022? I, I wonder, I'm sorry if this is your job, but it may, it may be that the equivalent in 2022 is uh, a uh, speed camera car driver. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. These cars, these speed traps on the side of the road. And uh, I don't know about you all, when I drive past, I think, thanks for making the road safer. safer. And I wish you weren't finding people all the time. Like, there's got to be a better way. And when I see that, I think, okay, that might be the equivalent of a modern day tax collector. People that think, man, you're, you're, you're uh, taking advantage of your fellow countrymen, you know. And yet Jesus went into the home of these unwanted social outcast people. And he hung out with them as friends. The Son of God, a perfect man, a perfect God. And he chose to hang out with the outcasts, with the people that no one wanted to hang out with. I find that really interesting. He also hung out with Pharisees, the people that everyone wanted to hang out with. I love that about Jesus. He wasn't, it wasn't like he was only trying to hang around with, with uh, people who were on the street and socially outcasted. He wanted to connect with everyone who had ears to hear, eyes to see, and an open heart. But see, we find here in, uh, in Luke 14 that Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee, so all of the Pharisees uh, teaching friends, whether they be specifically Pharisees or uh, teachers of the law, they're all there. And so this is, a, this is a big moment for the owner of the house, for the hosts of this dinner party, to get to show off to his friends. I've got the latest preacher here. And in doing so, This, uh, this man decides that this party is going to be an opportunity for him to show a bit of status and to get ahead. Now, I don't pretend to know all the motivations. I'm sure he was genuinely curious about the teachings of Jesus. But that tended to be the way that a lot of the Pharisees were. They, it was more about the status than it was about the genuine heart connection to God. Which, by the way, sounds very familiar for all sorts of people that I know and love in our community here in 2022. So it's not something that's far removed from where we are today. Okay, so Luke 14. And uh, Pastor Jesse just read it beautifully. He's teaching these people here at the dinner table about this coming kingdom of God that turns things on their head. Instead of the most important person coming into the home and sitting at the most important place at the table, 
He invites them instead to, to find the lowest corner seat in the room, furthest from the host, as a way to be humble. Which seems completely ludicrous, of course, to anyone who's hearing Jesus because I've worked hard for this status. I've worked hard for this. This is, you know, I'm here for these reasons. Why on earth would I go and sit in the corner? And yet, Jesus describes that as you do through that humility, then the host will say, why are you sitting there? And they'll invite you into a place where you are honored. And he's just using that, of course, as an example to, to, to point out perhaps some of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees sitting there. And it seems like they're listening. They're not arguing. Often in uh, these interactions that Jesus has with Pharisees, they're um, angry. They get angry at Jesus. How dare you say that? We're going to crucify you now. Which I am not making light of, but also that tended to be... They said that for a long time before they actually did anything about it. Uh, and praise God that they did, amen, because Jesus is our saviour and our rescuer. Here they are listening to Jesus, taking it all in. And then one of the, the teachers of the law decides to make a bit of a toast. I think he's feeling pretty good about himself. I like this teaching, I like this. And he, and he says, uh, well, very specifically, he says, with me and I'll pull it up on my Bible app by the way I'm using a Bible app very technologically savvy he says blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God I wanted to get that wording right blessed is the one who's going to eat at the feast in the kingdom of God I don't think this guy quite gets it yet he's talking about status blessed is the one the people who are so important, they're going to get to eat at this feast in the kingdom of God. Now, he did just hear about inviting the poor and the needy. And he's saying, wow, what a great, what a cool idea. And you can tell Jesus, he doesn't, he doesn't say like, amen, you get it. You get it, man, that's cool. Because he does say that to people when they get it. Man, you have faith, that's amazing. No, nope. he senses the tone in the room and decides that more needs to be said. I tell you what, I'm not sure many of us would uh, find Jesus pleasant to be around in 2022 because he was very challenging. You all know that? Jesus was challenging all the time. And as Christians, we think, oh, well, you know, I'm in line. My life is in line. My lifestyle is in line. My, my thoughts are in line with the teachings of Jesus. So... If Jesus came and sat down beside me, I'd be in tears. Like I would be so glad to meet my Savior. And, and I pray that would be so, because that would be uh, a beautiful thing. But pretty quickly into the conversation, Jesus would probably be challenging any and all of us to do something that perhaps we are hesitant to do. I'm smiling because I love that about Jesus. I think that's great. I really enjoy that part of his personality, that he challenges us. He doesn't just uh, let us stay where we are. He loves us exactly where we are, for who we are. But he invites us into the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is an advancing kingdom 
that grows from person to person. And if we stay within ourselves, often the kingdom of God stays with us. And so these challenges are important. And here's an ancient challenge, to, uh, you know, echoing from 2,000 years ago and still relevant today. Jesus invites us into this parable and he just launches straight into it. A certain man was preparing a great banquet. Banquet was ready to go. The food's on the table. Please God, a mountain of sweet potato. It's on the table, ready to go. Right, we've invited all the guests, servant, go out and find the people we've invited. Tell them the food's ready. The time is now. The servant goes out. One by one, these people who have had their invitations, who have had the opportunity to be honoured at the seat of the table of the host, they reject it. They say, oh, no, thank you. Got something better to do. Jesus lists a whole bunch of excuses because the Pharisees themselves would have been a little shocked by that. Like, they're missing out on an opportunity for status because they have this, these lists of throwaway, uh, you know, prior engagements that clearly they could have avoided because they had the invitation. But it wasn't valuable to the people in the parable. So the servant comes back and... Uh, and in Jesus is uh, telling this parable, the master is angry, and rightly so. I made this feast for them, and they're not coming. So the master does something that I think would have been very challenging for the Pharisees to hear. See, you would probably just, you know, call it. Get the cling wrap out and start wrapping everything up. Fill the fridge up with whatever roast meat you can. <laughs> roast beef sandwiches for the next two weeks. And that would be it. But instead, the master does something interesting. He says to his servant, okay, well, I'm not having any of this food go to waste. And I want to have a feast. And I want to celebrate with people. And I want to celebrate with people who actually want to be here. So he says, Go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. All the places close by to my residence here. Implying that he's in the city. So it's in this built up city. Go out into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Of course, echoing some of the prophecies spoken about uh, Jesus in Isaiah. I think that's beautiful because right away, Jesus goes to the lowest people. You may know this, but uh, in this time that Jesus uh, is talking to these people at his dinner party, anyone who had any kind of physical ailment tended to be shunned in a community because people believed that God had something against them. Whether they had sinned or their parents had sinned, for some reason God had made them, they had made God angry. And so 
God had kind of turned away from them and they had these physical ailments. Or they were poor, There's, you know, they, they just didn't have the money. And God has so much teaching in the Old Testament about taking care of the poor. But that's not something that the Pharisees were really doing. They weren't loving the poor. They were just doing their duty here and there. And so in this story, the master invites them in. Not one, not a few, all of them. They all come. So now they all have a seat at the table. This table is looking a little odd. There's people that are have physical ailments and, and there's people who are a bit smelly and a bit stinky because they're poor. They live on the street. But they're all here now. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? I haven't eaten for a few days now and I've been invited into this feast. So they're sitting there waiting at the table and the master says, hold on, hold on, don't eat yet, guys. It's all right. I'll keep the alfoil on top of everything, all right? We'll keep it warm. There's still one more group because there's still more seats at the table. So he says to the servant, right? Go out again, but go further. Go outside the town. Go all the way out into the country lanes and the highways that go past the town and find the travelers and the people who live outside the town, the real outsiders, like the dirty shepherds, my apologies to any shepherds here today. Do we have any shepherds here today? Then I rescind my apology. <laughs> it's okay, you all can laugh this morning. And as this servant goes out to these travelers, you can just imagine the picture. Someone who perhaps hasn't had a, feel, a meal in a couple of weeks, who's been traveling on the road, trying to get from A to B, maybe to settle into a town in the, uh, in the distance. And someone runs up to them and says, my master's invited you to come to feast with him in the town. They weren't even planning on coming in. They were just going to sleep under a tree somewhere that night. So they wander on in one by one until the table is full and the feast is ready. Jesus finishes by saying to the Pharisees, and not one of those people who were invited will get a seat at the table. They won't taste any of it. Of course, as a rebuke to the Pharisees. Jesus is challenging us today. This is not just a challenge to the Pharisees at the dinner table. I'll tell you what, I'm challenged when I read this because I find that the people who I invite to my dinners at my dinner table tend to be people just like me. I invite my friends, I invite my co-workers, I invite my family, I may invite you all. But often, they are people of a similar age, of a similar mindset, of a similar socioeconomic background, um, usually they're going to have the same humor as me and they're going to live in a similar place as me. There's nothing wrong with that. But Jesus challenges us to go further into the kingdom of God. 
Jesus challenges us to bring people into a feasting, not just a metaphoric feasting, because as we learned, Jesus wasn't just teaching about the kingdom of God and there being this feasting in heaven. He was inviting people to feast now with him. I think he's, he's inviting us to draw people into the kingdom of God by drawing them into a closeness with us. And the closest place you can be with someone is sitting at the dinner table, having a yarn, having a drink, till some crazy hour in the morning, some irresponsible hour, sharing and doing life together. It's interesting, but this is actually where the rubber meets the road in the kingdom of God. Because right now, some of you all think that this is uh, offensive. Who is this young fellow coming up in here at our church and telling me who I should have dinner with? Sorry, guys, I'm not telling you. Jesus is inviting you. He's inviting you to be participants in growing the kingdom of God. And sometimes we feel like growing the kingdom of God is a mission or a vocation or an event that occurs perhaps once, maybe twice a week. Jesus' lifestyle of inviting people into meals, into moments of conversation, show us that our lifestyle should reflect His. That we can actually bring the kingdom of God into people's lives God's love and joy and peace, His kindness and grace, His mercy and forgiveness, His hope. Bringing that into people's lives, that they would encounter the kingdom of God living in every single one of us. And the way that humans work is we love to do that in community over food and perhaps adult drinks as well. I wonder, since you yourself were once the outsider, not the first guest, but the outsiders, and God decided to call you friend, even while you were still an enemy of him, and he sent his son to die for you so that you could have a seat at the table in God's kingdom. I wonder. If that is true, I wonder. Is there a seat at your table for others? Is there a place in your life for outsiders? Let me challenge you this way. If you are older in this room, Is there a seat at the table for young people? Relatively young, they may be my age, 35. I find myself pretty old these days with all the children I'm hanging out with at school and in kids' church here. Relative to yourself, is there a seat at your table for young people? I'll challenge any young people here today, although we are in the early service, there aren't too many. 
Jesse and myself probably, a couple of friends in the back there. Is there a seat at your table for someone who's older than you? I find that, you know, our young generation tends to have a lot of energy, but they're lacking in wisdom. And our older members of community tend to have tremendous wisdom, but not much energy left. Perhaps that's just their physical, could be their mental state of health. And yet somehow when we partner together, we borrow from one another in relationship. And hanging out with young people will fill you full of energy and will provide them the wisdom that they need to grow in life and to be the emerging leaders that they are. I wonder, is there a seat at your table? Yes, metaphoric table. Also, literal table. Is there a seat at your table for them? I wonder. If you're rich, most of us in Australia are, by the way. We don't think of ourselves as rich, but we are. If there's a seat at your table, sorry, if you're rich, is there a seat at your table for someone who is in a different socioeconomic class than you? Is there a seat at your table for people who are different? A lot of us are white here. Is there a seat at your table for someone who has a different culture, who speaks a different language, who has different color skin to you? Is there a seat at your table for your mother-in-law? That's a hard one for me. I love my mother-in-law. There is a seat at the table for her. But it's a tough one. I'm going to close by saying this. It's an invitation. It's a challenging invitation, but it's an invitation. As we have been given a seat at the table in God's kingdom, I really encourage you, church, that this is how we can spread the gospel that was such good news to us. By physically inviting people to our table. And in doing so, inviting them into the feast of the kingdom of God with the master of love and grace and kindness. Will you join me and just pray together? I'm just going to pray over us. God, it's a challenge, but thank you. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy and your grace through Jesus Christ. Thank you for your wisdom through the Holy Spirit. And we ask that you would help us to take up this challenge, to be your kingdom this day, weekly, monthly, inviting people, certainly to dinner, to meals, but into a relationship a friendship as we share with them this beautiful love and grace that we've encountered in your kingdom and as we proclaim the gospel together. In your name we pray. Amen.